Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the 258 Sportscast. I'm your host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as always, is the lesser important Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Tommy. Um, co-pilot, I thought I was, as, as you said uh, last episode, yeah. but nevertheless, I'm, tomato, always, tomato. I'm always honored to be in your presence as the, the orchestrator of this great podcast and, you know, just the, the, the full authority figure. In, in the 25-8 sports landscape, but when you're looking at the hierarchy for the 25-8 sports cast, you see Tommy Fink, and then in a little box <laughs> under is me, and then Ken Francois, Pamela, and the rest of the team under me. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that's how it's pretty much set up around here, but we get the job done. Organi- organizational culture is is a plus within, within our group, and we just, our main goal uh, as a group is just to continue to provide great content and get a better podcast episode each and every time we we take the field so absolutely um jet what's on store for us here today is is just a widespread among all all the three sports that we do cover um we're gonna just continue to pretend that the nhl stanley cup finals are not going on right now so what we will be talking about is i'm gonna give jet some blind major league baseball this or that is gonna answer seven rigorous questions for us we will then get into the next division of our eight-part series, which we talk division by division, <laughs> each team's record. We're going to be talking NFC West here. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Chet Holmgren because he is probably the most controversial uh, prospect coming into this year's NBA draft. Ended up going second overall, and Jet and I are going to give our takes on that. Jet. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, we can we can talk a little bit about the – the rest of the NBA draft results in the, in the first round. I don't, I don't think both of us have done too much of an analysis on many of the picks within the first round, but we'll, we'll primarily talk about the first three picks and then Nikola Jovic as well. So, oh yeah. And on another note, I'm just, let's be honest. We're not talking about the Stanley cup because both of us really don't care about it. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. I'm sure, you know, we do, there is some, something to play with the lightning as we both are, you know, we're part of the Tampa Bay area at one time, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there is a little bit in it for us, but we're not too concerned with the results. We're just hoping for a, a good matchup in the end. And um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be mad if there was another parade in Tampa. So. No, I mean, I'd be a little bit upset. I probably wouldn't be too much of a part of it this time around, but nonetheless, I am rooting for the lightning because I have a lot of friends that are rooting for the lightning. So. Hopefully they can beat the abs. All right, Jet? Absolutely, yeah. Jet, what do you want to start with? I'm going to give you full reign of I said we start the with the NBA the draft. Okay. So, well, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and start. Yeah, no, no. I, give, us, give, me, give me full reign, and then you just take it away second from best, right Second best first overall pick since Markel Fultz. Yeah, well, and we see, I mean, Markel Folds has kind of, you know, <laughs> resurrected his career after a, I mean, it, let's be honest, it, it, it has to do with the environment <laughs> in Philadelphia. That's what it comes down to. Uh, top top picks are go to Philadelphia to fail. We, we've seen it with Markel Folds, Ben Simmons. I think Joel Embiid is, is one of the only, the picks that has really paid off. And even so, he hasn't been as good as advertised, but. Oh, my God. Looking at the first round of this draft, the first three picks were Paulo Boncher out of Duke, Chet Holgram, Holmgren out of Gonzaga, Jabari Smith out of Auburn, Keegan Murray out of Iowa, Jay Navi out of Purdue are the top five. Tommy, I know you wanted to talk about our friend Chet. So what's your what's your well, take on the, the Thunder taking him 
over the other names and, and how do you view Chet's uh, future in, in this league? I think that a lot of people are dismissing him because obviously you think of a human being being seven feet tall. And then the next thing you do is you shave probably about 50 to 60 pounds off of that human being. And that's what Chet Holmgren is right now, but he just turned 20 years old. Obviously not everybody at 20 years old is going to be completely filled out and, you know, NBA ready. I think he's a extremely good prospect, seven foot, 190 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's tiny. Um, especially, you know, center being a very physical position. Um, he's going to have to go against guys with the likes of and size of Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, not really so much Bam Adebayo. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of big centers out there in the league, and obviously his size isn't going to get it done. Real quick, I'll just look at how heavy Jokic is. Um, Jovic? Me, You're Jokic. No, not, not, not Jovic. Jokic. Uh, I'm not too, not too worried about Nikola Jovic. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, Jokic has 100 pounds on him, so that's that's, that's also, a massive difference. Jokic, when he was when he first came to the league, he had a similar frame. Like it took him time for him to build out into what we see today. And I mean, I know you're probably gonna go a little elaborate more on him, but I think there's plenty of time to continue to build out on that overall frame. I I agree completely. Um, plenty of time. My example is gonna be Giannis. So uh, Holmgren, I talked about it, seven foot one ninety, just turned twenty years old. Giannis was six foot nine, so a little bit shorter, um, and he came into the draft at one hundred and eighty four pounds, and that's, I mean, a little bit more full because obviously three less inches, but he filled out. He was obviously eighteen, so two year difference. But I, I still, I don't think Holmgren is a full grown man yet. Um, I think that we do see him fill out his figure quite a bit. And obviously Giannis is now widely regarded as the best player in the NBA. So I'm not too concerned about Holmgren. I don't think he's going to start this season. Um, or I mean, he's going to start, but I don't think he's going to be playing like 40 minutes a game because he'll, he'll be getting, he'll be getting bullied quite a bit. And he's just not ready for that. He's got to hit the gym. He's got to, you know, put on some size, some girth, you know, in every single place an aspect of his, his game and his body. So I think that I think that once we see him do that, and if he does that, he has a very bright, very long future ahead in the NBA. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it right here. I, I think Chet Holmgren ends up being the best prospect and best player from this draft. You, you talked about all the, the positive attributes that he displays. Someone that's able to have that kind of height and still be able to dribble the basketball, there are very few players – that are able to do what he can. And, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. He has a lot of things that he needs to improve on if he wants to maintain a sustainable career in the NBA, because with the current size and and current frame, there's, there's no way that is a sustainable route in the NBA. Not, not saying you got to go look like Zion Williamson, but you got to have a nice happy medium between uh, where he is now, and and Zion, who's probably the heaviest player to ever play the NBA. Well, did you see? Did you see the pictures of him that came out? Of who? Zion. No, I have not. He lost a ton of weight. Okay, he got into so, shape. Google it. Google it and uh, screen share. I, I apologize to uh, Zion for for criticizing his weight. Did, didn't know about that news. There. Let me see if I can find a picture of. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He could be. We could be seeing. You know. Gonzaga Zion. He looks, or, he looks very, that's where he's from, right? He looks he looks pretty pretty trim here. Let me see if I can uh, 
get a picture in here. Okay, I'm, I'm not, not Gonzaga, Duke, Duke. Yeah, he I, I, he I'm shredded impressed. it all. You I, see, you see bicep and tricep in that in that arm, but you better be careful. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed now with what I see, and as we you know, try to figure out this new monitor that I have. Um, <laughs> all right, what, <laughs> what kind of preview is that? You just show us his face, and then your home screen. That, that's the only that's the only picture that's available uh, at the moment for me. So that's all you're gonna get. You could tell. I mean, but you could tell though by his face and and, just, and his. Everybody body. else just Google it. Yeah, but you could tell. You could tell here. I mean, how many people actually are gonna flip their phone around? Not many. That's what the analytics suggest. So <laughs> let, let, let's be honest, let's be real here. No one's flipping their phone to be good with. So this. Hold on. Not nah, everybody. Look. This is what I wanted to show you. Look at that. Yeah, it looks good. It, it looks- like a thousand times better and. That could be scary for the league. So Absolutely. go ahead and finish so, your statement if you even remember what you were so, saying. So I, I apologize for <laughs> criticizing Zion Williams' weight. I wasn't informed on that update. Um, Roxanne didn't give me the the weekly updates on what's going on around the leagues, specifically the NBA. She, she's our go-to NBA updater, but no worries there. Um, you can't expect her to be, always be on top of it. No, great no. For us but, for years but, now. Which is fine. I mean, we might need to hire a new researcher, Bella, who can uh, potentially assist with some some uh, some news updates and some some articles you can send our way. So, yeah. Well, speaking of, just gonna, gonna, yeah. gonna go ahead and announce now, first ever live studio audience here in the twenty five eight Sportscast. Bella, go ahead and say hi to everybody. <laughs> We're waiting. Hello, everybody. There wow. she is. Okay. <laughs> Welcome long to time, the show. Long time fan of the show. Uh, had some technical difficulties <laughs> getting the hello, everybody out there for the first 12 or so seconds. Yeah. Chet, the, the only but, other thing I wanted to highlight I, about I draft continue, night. I didn't continue my thing on uh, chat, but I know we got sidetracked <laughs> a little bit. I mentioned some of his, his abilities. He's, he's a shot blocker, ability to play D off the ball, perimeter <laughs> shooter, great feel for the game. I mean, he is a, a top-notch prospect, and, and he had plenty, plenty of upside to become a, a top player in this league. Agreed. And, you know, D off the balls is always one of the more sought-after uh, attributes in a player these days, so... Absolutely. And do you mind if I elaborate a little more on some of the other picks that you don't know much about, but I do? Well, quickly, let's just let's just get to the Pistons draft night. Pistons. Okay. Pistons could be good this year, Jet. Yeah, I think they could be very good this year. Jaden Ivey fell to him at the fifth overall pick. He was supposed to be one of the for sure top four picks. Um, the top four were kind of like there was no wrong pick in there. And then somehow uh, he fell out of five. So well, there's a reason for that. If I could just, just talk about that. So the reason I, I think the Kings didn't take Jaden Ivy, which I, I think they should have taken best available player, no matter what, just because they have so many needs as it is. But with them having the Aaron Fox right now at guard and bringing Jaden Ivy, I think that could have potentially been a conflict of interest, but I personally believe that Jaden Ivy should have been in the top three over Jabari Smith behind Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancharo. So I like Jaden Ivey a lot. I actually got to see him play the most out of any of these guys in the top five. So I, I'm excited about his potential. And like you said, the, the Pistons definitely had a good draft this year and other moves too. Yeah, we 
I mean, we could potentially see a lineup out there of Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bay, Marvin Bagley, and Jalen Duran. That sounds like a real good team. Yeah, where, real... do you, where do you slot Kemba Walker on that team? Kemba Walker, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to play over Cade Cunningham. I don't, don't think. You don't think Kemba Walker would start to begin instead of Jaden Ivey? Just until he gets his. We could, yeah, um, yeah, we can see that. Because, right, I mean, I'm looking at the death chart right now on ESPN, and they have Kemba Walker as the fourth string point guard. Um, they have Kate, Kate Cunningham as the first string point guard. Jaden Ivey is the first string shooting guard. So um, I would actually flop them. I don't know, personally. They have Sadiq Bey, first thing, first thing, uh, first string uh, forward. Marvin Bagley, the other one. And then Isaiah Stewart. They have Jalen Duran as the third string. Kemba Walker's name only shows up there just the one time as the fourth string point Interesting. guard. Interesting. Yeah. yeah the, the Pistons did some nice things in this draft. They, I mean, the Knicks did some interesting things as well. They were trading up and down, left and right, all around. They made like four different trades involving many of the same picks, which no. I, I think when you look at the larger scope of the deal, I mean, there's, there's some things that you could take away thinking that they potentially did right. But overall, one, you missed out on the chance to potentially trade up for Jaden Ivey. Who could they, they really could have used. There was a lot of rumors earlier on in the draft process about the Knicks potentially moving up to take Jaden Ivey at number four and swapping with the Kings. That didn't happen. The Knicks had the 11th pick. They traded that to the Thunder. Um, then the, the Thunder got some more picks after they initially even drafted Chet Hol- Holmgren. So I don't want to get too much on the Knicks because they're just as irrelevant as it gets. But that was just some of my other observations throughout this draft. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about about those top few guys? Yeah, I know. I, you kind of kind of cut me off before. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paulo Banchero, about 20 seconds before the draft started, Woj did what he did best and decided to leak the picks, which is absolutely <laughs> despicable in my opinion, but it is what it is. I mean, why, why have these draft shows and draft nights when the picks are just going to get spoiled 20 seconds before? I don't know. I guess they just want to spoil the fun, but yeah, Paula Banchera went number one to the Orlando magic. And based on the Orlando magic's draft history, picking a number one, they have not missed yet. And I don't, I think this is a, this, this pick wasn't the most upside pick in the draft, but it was, I think, the best prospect to pick. Safest pick, I think, in my opinion, coming out of Duke in this freshman year, 17 points per game, seven rebounds a game, three assists per game. Even him being the safest pick in this draft, plenty of upside. Some people have compared him to Chris Webber, Julius Randle-type players, but when the Magic have drafted Shaquille O'Neal, Dwight Howard in this pick, you think they would have some sort of an idea of what to do with this type of pick. So I love the move there. Obviously, Chet at number two. And then Jabari Smith, who was actually originally supposed to go number one, fell to three. I never thought he should have gone number one to begin with. I thought Paulo and Chet are, are much better prospects to begin with. But uh, nevertheless, he is a, a very good player who had an outstanding freshman season, 17 points per game, seven rebounds per game. Very good jump shot. I've heard some for some reason, some comparisons to Kevin Durant shot, but I, I don't see that mm. at all. Some of the other comparisons he's getting Rashard Lewis, Harrison Barnes, Michael Porter Jr. But he's a, he's a good two-way player. Great on the offensive end, great on the defensive end. So I, I like that the Houston Rockets added him to a, a nice core that already has 
Jalen Green at point guard. And they're still obviously a work in progress, but I, I really like that pick as well. And then down, down the list, I, I can't provide too much knowledge on the, the rest of the draft, except uh, at number 27, Nikola Jovic to the Miami Heat out of Serbia. I, I didn't really expect the Heat to go with him because they don't have a good track record of hitting on players outside of the U.S. And they decided to, you know, to go with a different route here. And I, I respect the move a ton. He needs size desperately, and Nikola Jovic brings a ton of size, and he's not just going to you know, provide size and stand in the paint all game. He can easily stretch out the floor for you, provide a, a good shot-making ability, and he has the he has the ability to become a very good player, I believe, in this league. I, I never count, count out the Heat making picks, especially in the NBA draft, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of the undrafted guys that were already signed are, are going to make an impact as well. So, also, Nikola Jovic obviously already has experience playing against some of the pro guys over in Serbia. So we'll see where this takes him. Obviously, some Serbian players that have had success in this league already, Nikola Jokic being one of them. So excited about this pick. We'll see what happens. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was an, an eventful NBA draft, I think. Absolutely. By, by every single stretch of the imagination, it was an eventful, eventful draft. A lot of our viewers are Knicks fans, so not a lot of fun going on for for them. I think that maybe they're clearing up cap space for Kyrie. I don't understand what else they could possibly be doing. That's what it looks like, but can we really say that Kyrie is going to choose the Knicks over any any of the other teams on that list, which included all all playoff teams from last year? I I don't I just I just don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you. That's fine. I, I do. I do have an answer I, for you. Um, well, the thing is, is like, I, whether he picks them or not, is he going to pick to show up to the facility? Well, yeah. He's not going to. I mean, that team's going to be yeah. 10 games under 500. But, like, just, just for context, I don't want the Heat going after Kyrie Irving. There's too much of a liability yeah. off the court. It doesn't fit the culture. I, I believe the were the 76ers one of the team you mentioned as the six? Okay, so I don't think I, so. It was the, I think it was the Heat, Clippers, Knicks, Lakers. And there were two other ones. I think it was the um, – I don't know. Who cares? He, wherever he goes, I mean – I'll look at it because I didn't even see the, the sixth thing that yeah, you're talking he, he about. Yeah, he I, – I thought I remember seeing the the Laker uh, – the, the 76ers on there, but I could be wrong. But – All right, six teams on Kyrie's wish list. Uh, Yeah, the – all right, so it was Woj obviously leaking this. Uh, if he carries an agreement to stay with Brooklyn, he has a list of teams he'd like them to consider on sign and trades, including Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, who were the three that originally were linked to him even before he came out and said names. Uh, and then Heat, Mavericks, 76ers. Okay. Yeah, Mavericks, cool. him and Luka could be real interesting. Yeah. Because I, 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 I was talking about like a Luka needs an off-ball star. Yeah. I think that Kyrie could be that. Um, I, I also had Donovan Mitchell linked to them just because like, Luca pulling that pulling that draw of like three or four players into the paint whenever he drives, kicking it out to a great yeah. shooter. That could be that could be real. I like that a lot. I, the, the problem with all of these teams mentioned is none of them have the salary space at the moment to be yeah. able to even pull off this kind of deal. I think in the end, Kyrie Irving's gonna end up back with the Brooklyn Nets, and Tim and Katie are gonna try and run it back somehow. I don't think they're gonna have any success doing it, but that'll just be the case and. Yeah, this is just a 
a lot of guys do this just to try and obviously test their market to see if they can potentially get what they're asking for. I don't think Kyrie's going to be able to do that. So I think the Brooklyn Nets stay as is. All right, Jet. Enough basketball for now. Still a little bit of a sore subject for you, I can tell. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up right now. <laughs> Free agency on the way. Uh, Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell circulating on heat rumors. So Well, we can always talk that. about DeAnthony Melton coming to the Sixers. Uh, just the Danny Green replacement of all Danny Green replacements. Excited about that pick. More, more points off the bench, which we desperately needed. Jet, let's go into this MLB this or that. I'm excited to get to this because I came up with a few banger questions. I answered them already. Tell you're excited. I answered them already. I'm gonna give you my answer after you give me yours. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a rapid fire kind of thing. Can we get um, an, just, can we get an audience live reaction or no? Is that not we, allowed? We we could get an audience live reaction, but the problem is, uh, I do have the sound coming into my headphones. So no problem. Maybe, I, I maybe think, we could squeeze another head in here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think we could. I think we could find a way to potentially get this to work once we, you know, grow the brand. You know, have a bigger yeah. audience. I can get some audience members on my end, and, and we can see what we can do. Yeah. Well, when I said first live audience, I meant first live audience um, having a female in it. I actually have about 45 people lined up in my room right now, but this can, is the can first you, Can you tell them all just to, like, scream hi? So I see what everybody, everybody, say hi. Hi, 25-8 Sports. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, if, you're, if you're not watching the video right now, you think there's a pretty <laughs> decent-sized audience standing there. Absolutely. So... I mean, we, we will never know, and hopefully our viewers never know either, especially the ones listening on Apple Podcasts. So we should be good there. Jet, let's get into it. Yes. First question, O'Neal Cruz. And, oh, first I'm going to say this player's age. Got, so I'm assuming that we are starting a team next year, okay? Okay. Starting a team next year, and I'm going to tell you the player's age that would be starting next season, okay? Okay. O'Neal Cruz will be 24, or Fernando Tatis Jr., who will be 23. Oh, he's only 23. He's only 20. He's going to be, he's 22. He's going to be 23. I I get all the hype around O'Neal Cruz that I think he's going to be a mainstay in the big leagues for some time. But when you, when you got a guy at 23 and Fernando Tatis, who are already strong together, multiple successful seasons. As long as he could stay healthy, which is obviously a big question, I'm, I'm going to take Tatis. I took O'Neal Cruz especially, like only because of what you just said at the end there. The guy's 23, and he's already been littered with injuries as a baseball player. That's yeah. It's not good to see that at all. Like you, you get it with Christian McCaffrey. You get it with Dalvin Cook, who in, earlier in his career had it. You don't see a lot of baseball players who like just for the life of them can't stay healthy. And it's kind of worrisome because this is another half of a season that he's missed now. It's a totally valid point. I just believe that when I'm looking at both of these guys, when we look at them fully healthy, I'll take just Tatis, just what he's done. I love O'Neal Cruz a lot, but he's also a year older, which is not a huge difference. But you can make a case for either way, just like you just said. Next question. Are you going to start with a rotation of Julio Urias, 26 years old, and Walker Bueller, 28 years old. Or Pablo Lopez, 26 years old, and Sandy Alcantara, 27 years old. I I know this is going to get you really horny, but 
you gotta I, I want you to pick without bias. And that does that's not to say as, Dodgers as much, is the right as answer. As much as I love Pablo, I, I think Sandy's the best starter out of all, all three of those guys, but Walker Bueller and Julio Urias are, are the, the two and three, and th- with them being able to do this, they they they've both been able to have successful careers for longer periods of time. I know it's not a huge difference. They are both still very young, but Pablo is a great starting pitcher in this league. I don't believe he is a true one or two. I think he is the, a perfect three on, on a team. I think Uriah Bueller is definitely a one. And I think Julio mm. Urias is a good two on a rotation. Like I said, Sand is the best starting pitcher out of these both, but I, I love those two Dodgers guys. Yeah, I went with the same for a few reasons. I don't. I think Walker Bueller is more proven than Alcantara is. So I still, yes, for now, yes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bueller's better than Alcantara, and then I think it goes Bueller, Alcantara, Julio, also, Pablo. Though, Walker I also has had injury issues. No, he has. But I also want to take the the two Dodgers guys because it's invaluable to have a a strong left-handed starting pitcher. That's true. So that's that's, true. that's that was my thought process on that. So we both agreed on that one. First one, first one we disagreed on. Next one, Aaron Nola, 29 years old, and Zach Wheeler, 32 years old, or Kurt Corbin Burns, 28 years old, and Brandon Woodruff, 29 years old. I think that's easy. Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. I, really? Aaron, Nola's, Aaron Nola's been way too inconsistent or, over the past couple of years. I know he's had some bad luck, which which I know you're probably going to bring up. that's not inconsistency. No, but, 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 but even with that, like, there's there's certain ways to maximize the the amount of bad luck you suffer and, and and then that has to do with you know just just having a successful adding each and every time you take them out but but even even with all that being said we also remember Zach Wheeler which which I didn't know when you brought it up I don't think you did either 32 years old if I'm starting well a he's team, 31 he will be 30 yeah next year two guys that are under 30 top top of the game in my opinion Corbin Burns is is definitely one of the top pitchers in this game Brandon Woodruff went healthy right up there with him uh both of these guys are outstanding and I love I love Zach Wheeler Aaron Nola just hasn't shown me enough to say that I, I would take him over either of those guys this is I completely disagree with you on this one and I know it sounds like Philly bias but it really isn't because Brandon Woodruff in this in his career, he's had one year with an ERA under three, and only two years with an ERA under three five. Obviously, two of his best three years were 2020 and 2021. So he's definitely on the rise. Corbin Burns, we know how good he is. Um, I, I think that Aaron Nola has been super disrespected, and and I I bring this up because I think it's worth being brought up. His expected ERA. Each every single year since he was up for Cy Young candidacy has been well above um, his his true ERA. So, and even then, his 2020 ERA was a three two. People people were freaking out about it because he was expected to be the guy that was like below three his whole career because he had had a few years like that. Um, right now, he's back below three with a two nine eight. I I just think I, I'm taking. And, and none of these that I came up with, obviously you said this is an easy one. I don't think any of these are easy decisions, but I'm, I'm taking, if I was to rank these pitchers one to four, I would have to go Burns, Wheeler, Nola, Woodruff. It's kind of the same thing as 
as the last one, your reasoning for picking the other ones. Um, for, for picking Julio and Walker, that's the reason I'm going to pick Nola and Wheeler, just because I think that two and three is a little bit more valuable than one and four. But like yeah, I said, it's not just I look at it differently. I would go Burns, uh, Wheeler, Woodruff, Nola. So yeah, I can see it. I, I mean, I think I think one and two are super close, and three and four are super close. But all four guys, like they're they're very all good starting pitchers. I just think Woodruff's a little better than than Aaron Nola, in my opinion. All right, age doesn't matter for question four. Are you taking prime Craig Kimbrell? Or are you going with prime Josh Hader? That's a good one. I mentioned the lefty value. Yeah. But I, I'm going to give my answer first while you think. Yeah. I went with Kimbrell here. Kimbrell had about as dominant of a stretch as, you know, really the league has ever seen as far as a reliever closing pitcher goes. Josh Hader. He was in the midst of that dominant stretch. He's kind of got back to his ways now, but he had, had he had about a year in there due to you know it leaking that he said the n word on Twitter or something. Uh, then he kind of got off his game a little bit, and you know, I guess it's rightfully so. But I think I think Kimbrel just because he was so consistently dominant, even up until last year, the guy was incredible. So I, I took Kimbrel. I think the problem with this question is all that recency bias coming in with Craig Kimbrell just absolutely doing nothing of what he yeah. was able to do. And, and I know this question is about both of their primes, but I, I am also going to take Craig Kimbrell. I'm just looking at the numbers right now. And and while Josh Hader has a 0.83 ERA right now, Craig Kimbrell's stretch between 2011 and 2014, his ERAs were 210, 101, 121, 161. That's all with 40-plus saves in each of those years as well. The the absolute insanity and all that. I mean, he, he's definitely one of the, the top closers, I believe, to ever play this game. And, and it's hard to, to put Josh Hader on that level yet, even with how good he is, even with him throwing from the left side. Right, and I think that's what makes it close is the lefty aspect yeah, of Hader. It, it, it definitely is, is a really good argument to have, I think. You know, Josh, Josh Hader's been in the league six years. If he could, you know, put together he's put together already two one and a half dominant seasons already if he could put two more seasons after this like those numbers then that's another story agreed next one is this one i think there's a a little bit more of a clear answer because there's just no way to do it without having one because uh, i'm gonna preface it five of these six guys i think are a tier above the sixth guy and I'll tell you who I think that is in a minute. Are you taking an out a starting outfield from left to light to left to right of Juan Soto 24, Mike Trout 31, and Bryce Harper 30? Or left to right, Ronald Acuna 25, Mookie Betts 30, and Aaron Judge 30. <laughs> Just imagine, just imagine that's your favorite team's outfield. <laughs> I know. Unreal. I, I'm going to take the Juan Soto, Mike Trout, and Bryce Harper outfield. Very, very close. I, I think that the questions that are raised are with those two guys and Judge and Betts who are having great seasons. Aaron Judge is on a different planet. But with them both being at 30, that that is definitely a cause for concern. But on the other hand, with the other outfield, 
Juan Soto, who's probably one of the best pure hitters in the game, and Mike Trout is one of the best players in the game, let alone Bryce Harper, who is having a fantastic stretch with the Phillies these past couple of years as well, throwing it in an MVP there. You have so many MVPs just between Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, and, and Juan Soto is going to get his MVPs eventually too. Not to, to discredit Ronald Acuna as well, one of the most dynamic two-way, not two-way, dynamic five-tool players that the game has today, along with Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts, who are both at the top of their position. But I am going to lean with the younger, even though even though Mike Trout is the oldest, I believe, of that bunch, um, I, I am going to lean with that side. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I, I've come out and said before, I think that although a fantastic player, I think Mookie Betts, he is just a stitch below the other five that I mentioned. Um, just as far as career numbers wise, I think, I think the second, the second group of three was exponentially better at fielding. I would take Acuna bets and judge all over Soto Trout yeah, and Harper fielding. Um, but the, the hitting dynamic of the left side is just, and, and, and outfield defense, while it's important, it's not like these guys are like defensive liabilities. Um, so I'm going to take, so, so what's your, what's your ranking of those six guys and then I'll give mine oh. right after. If I had to rank those six guys, I mean careers or like right now, like right, like like kind of like your question, who would you want to start your team with for for the next like we'll go five years? See, that's tough because Trout and Harper, Trout Harper, Betts and Judge will be 35, 36 years old. Yeah, towards the end of that. Say go, three. Go, go off of primes then, if you want. Okay, primes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then then number one, I'm gonna do Trout. Uh, I think that's obvious. Yeah. Soto and Acuna, I really don't think have hit their primes yet. They haven't, but but I think I think that they've shown how good they will be during their primes. Yeah. That being said, prime Bryce Harper was you couldn't get the guy out. So I'm gonna go Trout, and I think Harper really is in his prime right now. And, and then just add 2018 Washington Nationals Bryce Harper, and that there's his whole prime. Um, but I'm gonna go Trout, Harper, Soto. It's tough. I, I think I'm gonna go Soto, Judge, Acuna, Betts. But it's like I said, the first five I think are all in the same tier. So like to have to say that Ronald Acuna Jr. is five is like it's absurd. Yeah. But like it, it's like one through five. I mean, really one and then two through five are as close as possibly can be. Yeah, for me, I would probably go Trout, Harper, Acuna, Judge. Soto, Betts. Soto, and and it could be it could be recency bias, but like Soto, the second half of last year yeah. was yeah, and, and it's not uh, you couldn't bias. get him out. The it's, guy's on base percentage was like fucking five hundred for the it, second half of the year. It's it's not recency bias. It's it's just I I, I mean you can make an argument. I to, I was considering even putting Soto above Judge just because. Besides this season and Judge's rookie season, yeah, he's been good, but not unbelievable. Right. Right. So closer to the bets tier than the other guys. Yeah, but like the the season he's having now, like his numbers are good enough for almost a whole year. Yeah, and we've played sixty know, or so games, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. This uh, is real. yeah it is. It, it's tough. Well, like I had Acuna at five, Soto at three. That could very easily be because Acuna has been hurt. Yeah. And the team won without him, and then Soto just 
was like a smidge below Harper for MVP last year. Yeah, I know. These are some bagger questions. We need to do. We need to do more of this. They, that. I like they to say are definitely beggars for sure. I appreciate that, blood. All right, number six. Assume your team is a very very poor run franchise. Um, assume you are the Miami Marlins. Jet, are you going to? Uh, you're the Miami Marlins uh, owner. You're drafting a complete MLB redraft. You have the first overall pick. You're looking to win now. Are you taking Nelson Cruz at 42 years old <laughs> or Robinson Cano at 40 years first old? First of all, you just said I have the number one overall pick. Exactly, yeah. And you're, But you are the Marlins. You're, you're <laughs> affiliated with the Marlins. <laughs> <My God>. <laughs> <sighs> all right, fine. Assume you, assume you traded away your first 10 picks. Okay. <laughs> Still, this is – For the rights – for the rights to cash, you want to rebuild the equipment. I'm going to take Nelson Cruz because I Robinson Cano is a, a locker room cancer. So, okay, even even I with mean, how, you, potentially you could get two extra years out of Cano depending on how you look at it. I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I think even with Nelson Cruz having a year not up to his expectations, he's he's still able to swing it at, at the age he's at. So, I don't I don't like either of those choices, but <laughs> I. Given what well, I was like, I said it is the Marlins, but I, I think we would, we would be you know deciding between like Joey Wendell and John Birdie. I think those would be the two guys. But <laughs> you think Cruz or Cano would would be taken to the tenth round of an MLB redraft? Oh, tenth? <laughs> no, tenth. I mean, no. if you're if you're doing a full forty man roster, what if you're what if you're not counting? You draft pitchers afterwards. Are, are you saying like counting like if we're saying drafting from scratch, like are we talking about the prospects too, or just like active MLB players? Yeah, everybody. No, they they're not. I don't even know if they get drafted. You're in win now mode. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was I was so ready for you to ask me. Oh, would you draft Mike Trout? Would you draft this? But no, no. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're ready for that because maybe there's something. A little more pleasurable for you towards the end of the segment. Question seven. All-time career. This isn't you're not you're not a GM here. You're not you're not fielding a team. Who do you think? If only if there was only one more seat left in the Hall of Fame, are you giving it to Albert Pujols or Miguel Cabrera? That's that's a good one. That is that is it's unreal tough. And and I, I I can't believe this debate isn't even brought up more. It wasn't even a big debate when they were both in their primes, which are pretty close to the same time. Well, it's not. Well, the question your question is not brought up as a debate, but I, I get what you're saying. Like these these there's there's a plenty of seats left in the Hall of Fame, but these well, no, players no, no, are I know. I know. <laughs> no, but I'm just I'm just looking up all of these guys guys' resumes right now. Miguel Cabrera, two time MVP, eleven time All Star. Seven-time Silver Slugger, one-time triple, cl- triple Crown, World Series in 2003 with the Marlins, Albert Pujols, three-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series, two-time Gold Glover, six-time Silver Slugger. Whew. Uh, career, no- like, career numbers overall. Albert Pujols, 683 home runs, 3,300 hits, and over 11,000 at-bats. Miguel Cabrera has almost 2,000 less at bats with 9,800. 
he has 505 home runs, but also a, a higher batting average. I'm going to take Albert Pujols. He in the prime of his in the prime of both of these these guys' career, they there there were no one better. But I I think the prime of Albert Pujols' career, he just he just did it all. He, like I'm looking at it at a stretch between 2003 and 2010, where he was an All Star every year, 43 home runs, 124 RBIs, 46 home runs, 123 RBIs. Each of the next four seasons, 40 plus home runs and 100 plus RBIs. Miguel Cabrera, very similar numbers. He's in the, the high 30s on home runs and over 100 RBIs. I'm just going to take Albert Pujols, but it, it's not by much at all. It See, I'm going to go just a different philosophy here of why as I pull up Albert Pujols' stats first because I'm pretty sure I was right about a funny little stat, but I'm going to make sure. Uh Uh, okay, yeah. So, for the first Albert Pujols last year in St. Louis, it was the first time in his career that he missed the 300 batting average, 30 RBI, and a hundred or 30 home run and 100 RBI marks. He missed all of them by one point. Yeah. He hit 299 with 29 homers and 99 RBIs. And by the way. That was his 12th year in St. Louis. So that speaks to how dominant of a 12-year stretch he really went on, and it's unbelievable. I'm taking Miguel Cabrera solely because the guy almost went back-to-back triple crowns had Chris Davis not hit, had like 200 RBIs one year. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's as hard of a choice as you really can make. But there's there's just there's no there's no possible way to to say who's better. Well, and well, I'm gonna go. Well, ahead. here's the thing: say like Albert Pujols, this is his final year at age 42. If Miguel Cabrera gets to age 42, he's currently at age 39. What do you think his numbers look like? How close do you think he could get to to Albert Pujols' numbers? I don't think he he's not gonna reach Pujols' homers. Right. I think his career batting average is better. His, it'll, stay, it'll stay better. I think uh, he could very – it's very possible that he catches up to Pujols' hits. Honestly, likely. Obviously, the 3,000-hit club, five. you have 3,000 hits, 500 homers. But you could have either one of those and you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. To have both of them and those are the same generation player, I just can't believe that this debate isn't brought up more. Like, who's yeah. better? I, I, don't, I don't know why um you're not wrong at all yeah like like even like there was a debate when they first came into the league who's like harper was held up to the standard of trout obviously harper was like a piece of shit when he first came into the league so trout obviously played better and was just more tolerable so it was trout by a mile and that should have never been a debate that whole entire time these two guys were in the prize of their careers triple crown triple crown 50 homers that and that was never brought up i can't believe well, that, do you think that, that is a debate, though? Like what? Now, Mike what, Trout, these... Bryce Harper. No, not at all. Okay. I, I mean, Trout, better in the field. Yeah. Trout is a, a better hitter for average. Harper, I think, is a better hitter for power. His OPS numbers are above Trout's. But it, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick 
Is there is there I mean, someone off the top of your head that you could put it Bryce Harper in, in a debate with? I, it's probably hard to think of a guy, but who? well, the, the the two that he's been paired with his whole career were Trout and Judge. Okay, and I think he clears Judge. Yeah, and I think that Trout clears Harper. Now, obviously, Harper continues to stay healthier than Trout does. Harper puts another MVP on his resume. You know, we could we can maybe have this conversation again. I think Trout's always going to hold the batting average title above Harper. Right. But Harper, you know, was never expected to be the guy to hit 320, and he's doing that this year. So, I, which he did last year as well in his MVP season. I have a question. So, give me a little prediction here. Bryce Harper's at 282 home runs right now and 1350 for hits. What do you think his numbers in, in those two categories look like by the end of his career? I'll say by the end of his current contract, because I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of the times guys hang on and kind of ruin their career numbers a little bit. So what, two, 282 homers and how many hits? Or what was the other one that you uh, asked? 1,350 for hits. Man. I would love to say that Harper reaches the 3,000 mark. I don't think he does. And I think that he also walks a lot more than a lot of the guys that in the past would reach 3,000 hits have. Harper's on base percentage clears a lot of the a lot of the guys that have three thousand hits, uh, and like I mentioned, guys like when he was on the Nationals, he literally didn't see a strike for like weeks at a time, and then all of a sudden his batting average dipped into the two fifties, and people would freak out. He literally was just too impatient, and too young, and too stupid to take pitches. So, I think that he screwed himself a little bit. I think opposing pitchers screwed him a little bit. He'll never reach three thousand. I'm gonna say. How many homers does he have? 280, you said? 282. I think, I mean, by the end of this contract, I think he has probably like, fuck, uh, I'll say, this is really tough. I'll say 482. I'll say he gets 200 more homers. And I'll say he gets another 1,500 hits. No, 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 no. That's way too many. He'll he'll get he'll get like eleven hundred more hits. Okay, so this is interesting. So I, I calculated it out. Based, so let, let's say this is just an estimate. Let's say he plays nine more years, and I don't know who those nine seasons are going to be with, but with, with with the pace that is currently on, based on how many hits he has per year and how many home runs he has per year, he at the end of his twentieth season, he would have twenty four hundred hits and five hundred and twelve home runs if he stays on this current pace. I think that's a Hall of Famer. I agree. I agree. And and like I said, if if he would have learned to take pitches or if he ever had anybody hitting around him in Washington, I think he reaches the 3000 hit mark as well. But he he had he had a, he had a couple of seasons where he only had 125 130 hits, but he was batting almost 300. Well, here's the thing. I I think more and more as we continue to elect more members of the Hall of Fame, I think that the 3,000 hit mark isn't going to be looked at as much. And yeah. with with guys becoming more of that home run RBI type players and, and less of just the pure hits, I think by the time Bryce Harper is eligible for the Hall of Fame, I think it'll be a no-brainer. If he, even if he doesn't come anywhere close to 3,000 hits, just of the rest of his resume, especially if he gets 500 home runs, I think that alone should get him in for sure. Well, and I, and I think the violence of the game too speaks to how easily guys get hurt more often nowadays like guys are in in physically the best condition of their lives but that's also much more wear and tear 
um, on off days or even literally in between games, like right after you have a game, you're going to go lift, you have a game the next day. That's kind of something that's, that's more new to the league. And I think that guys are careers are shortening and shortening a little bit, which is why we're seeing like more unbelievable play from players for like five years. And then they kind of, you know, that's, that's it. They kind of topped off. Um, I don't think we see the, you know, your like your average guy anymore is not going to play 15 years in baseball. Right. You're not going to, you're not going to play 15 years. You're not going to last 15 years unless you're one of the greats anymore. I don't right. think. And that's coming in the near future. Very I, I, I totally agree with that. The game, the game's definitely changing for sure. Is that, is that all you got for that segment? Well, last one to, to really tickle your fancy. Pretend you are the Marlins GM. You are going win now. So you want to win a World Series in the next five years, Jet. Okay. Assume that Mike Trout is off the board and you can't take a pitcher. Okay. You have the number two overall pick. Who are you taking? So we're assuming Mike Trout and Wallen is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. I'm taking Walt Soto. Okay. I I think I think that's that's probably well, the best pick. Well, let me tell you why. So the, the Marlins have been lacking a, a pure hitter for a I mean ever since the I mean the Stanton or none, none of those guys were ever pure hitters. Like none, none of those guys were ever had that that plus plus eighty hit tool. Walt Soto has it. And even besides that, I mean he can hit for power. He's a great fielder. He he can he can do it all. And, and with that pick, someone that I can center my franchise around, I, I think it's a no-brainer. Then just building around with guys that can do other things well, like a couple of guys that can hit for pops, some defensive guys, and I think we have ourselves a pretty good ball club. I think I think the term win now is is held a lot a lot more loosely in baseball than it is in basketball and football. It is. Because win now, like you pick a 24 year old. That's it. Doesn't matter. Right. Like when when now in NBA, you're thinking like, all right, I'm gonna go get Kevin Durant, or you know James Harden, go join Joel Embiid for me. We're gonna win this year, something like that along those lines. Or you know PJ Tucker and uh, Nikola Jovic. But you know you, <laughs> you really you really never know what you're gonna get out of the Miami Heat draft and. Again, uh, my answer to that was assuming I am the Marlins GM and I'm going win now. I'm taking. I hope you're never the Marlins GM. I'm taking Nelly Cruz at, at the second overall pick. God. This is assuming that he's he's going to be DHing, so Universal DH would need to stay for one. See, I, I I would like to fill my DH spot last if I can, kind of focus, you know, focus on the middle of the field and, and build my way out, you know. Acquire that that outfield. Acquire that shortstop. That catcher. Don't, don't really know. Don't don't really need to look at, look at the DH spot right away. I think we could. That's a plug and play type position. If you know, what I mean. can see that. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing if, if I'm drafting at the the thirty. I'm going back to back the Nola brothers. Who said this was a snake draft? It's a snake draft. I'm telling you right now, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming Austin Nola would fall to the second round, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> But, but but I'm taking Nola brothers hey, back I mean, to back. You got you got the blood. You got the it's blood the chemistry. The I mean, the yeah. chemistry would be unreal. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, just gotta follow <laughs> that up with um, some some other sibling pairs like the the Seegers. You maybe could get Kyle to come back yeah. and play some yeah. ball. Yeah. Um, 
Well, know, if maybe, we were going to do that, we... Fernando Tatis Senior, yeah. I don't think he'll be there later in the draft, but. And if I'm if I'm a team like the Athletics, I'm probably still taking Kyler Murray somewhere in the first round. <laughs> and you could you could take a stab at like Russell Wilson too after Tim his, after his football career is over. Yeah, Tim Tim Tebow. Tebow. yeah. <laughs> uh, Neon Dion will probably we'll see somewhere in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like it. That's it's a it's a good uh, debate to think about. I think we could get it more into depth in that uh, at a later episode. All right, Jet. Let's make a a mental note here. Yeah, I'm also writing it down, so don't worry. We will do at the end of this season when when baseball is kind of there's nothing going on. Baseball dead period. At some point, we'll do an MLB redraft episode. I think that'd be fun. That'd be very fun. Just the yeah. first round. I, I like this segment too. I, I think this is a this could become a nice staple for the show. I could yeah. I could I could flip it around and, and see if I could put you up to the challenge. Right. Yeah. We could we could definitely do this or that followed immediately by word of the day. That could close out any episode we want. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jet, let's get to the NFC West. And I don't even know if we said earlier on in the show that we will be talking about the NFC West. But that's the second division we will be covering. As of right now, with the four teams that we have covered, I have the Carolina Panthers with the first overall draft pick in the 2023 class. With uh, an expected good quarterback class, that could be just what the doctor ordered for a team with some talent, but, you know, no captain, really. Jet. Yeah, for, for, well, for me, I uh, want to talk about teams that I have first overall. I would have the Atlanta Falcons picking first <laughs> overall in the, the 2023 NFL draft, selecting probably a, a punter based on the, the current trajectory that they've been yeah. going with with picks that just don't make sense, even though they, they're good picks. But, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I mean, and real quick, just because you mentioned it, in a redraft fantasy football league, Jet, is Kyle Pitts or Drake London even worth sniffing this year? In a redraft league? Absolutely. Absol- Kyle Pitts, definitely. Um, you don't think so? You couldn't name one quarterback that Marcus Mari or one tight end that Marcus Mariota made relevant. Delaney Walker was okay. But like it, it's it's not a matter of that when when Kyle Pitts is going to be the the number one op one option all season long, especially with them going to be down pretty much all season. They're going to have to throw the ball. I, I get that Marcus Mariota is not a good quarterback, but also looking at the the underlying metrics of Kyle Pitts' season last year, couldn't find the end zone. Like that that's a big problem right there. And he's due for positive regression in, in that department, and that that number is going to tick up. I don't have a problem drafting Kyle Pitts at all. Obviously, after the the top tight ends are off the board, but you could you can make a case too late in the draft to to take a stab at Drake London, especially with how good rookie wide receivers have been the past couple of years. So, I think they are both draft worthy this year. No, I mean they'll be drafted, but I, I'm just saying I, I could definitely see myself just avoiding them. Um, what about I taking think- what about taking Young Ho Koo middle rounds? What are your thoughts on that? Young Ho Koo middle round is definitely. I mean, I'm taking him for sure. Let me see here. Cordell Patterson, he's going as the RB31 right now. Or no, in PPR, he's going as the RB41. That can't be right, can it? It should be a little higher than that. It should be in the 30s. Okay, either way, as, as just for running backs, that's the only that's the only Falcons player that I'll be drafting this year in any leagues. See, he's someone uh, I'm avoiding. He's the one you're avoiding? Yeah. 
you got to think like how many read options they're probably going to try to give Mariota. Obviously, we could see Desmond Ritter at some point, and then I might be eating these words, but like read options will be probably very prominent. I think he'll get a lot of dump off passes. I think that's going to be where the offense lives this year. I don't think Cordero Patterson, I've, after that career season last year, at a very, very high age, especially for running backs, and I yeah. know he's multi, multi using water receiver and running backs. I could see Damian Williams, who they signed having a better year. He's a little bit younger. Also, yeah. they drafted another guy, Tyler Algier, who's a, who's, who's I think, going to have a role in this offense. Too. So I, I don't think Cordero Patterson, he's not dealing with any Mike Davises this year. So I don't know if he has that kind of season that he did last year. I think he, I think he'll definitely, he'll rank higher than the running back 41 this year, for sure. So I'll, I, I I'll agree be, with that. I'll be draft. I'll be drafting. Him. That's fine. Go, go do it. Yeah. All right. Let me get into it. Seattle Seahawks, Aiden Stroh, my dear friend, you know, co-pilot of Loudmouth Sports, understudy. I I don't know what to tell you other than you have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny, and a and a whole slew of not very good. I have you guys going three and fourteen, one and five in the division, three and nine in the conference. You will be winning at home against the Falcons in week three, Panthers in week fourteen, and then you're gonna go back to back. You're gonna win week fifteen as well against the San Francisco 49ers at home. Um, fighting for just another team fighting for a top five pick in the draft this year. Yeah. We got about 10 teams fighting for a top five. Pick. It looks like it. And we've, we've all already, in the NFC. We've already covered, I think, about a half of them. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Seattle Seahawks, three and 14 for me. There are three wins. I have them beating the Giants on the road, beating the Panthers at home, and beating the Jets at home. You talked about it before. I think this is a perfect time to bash our friends over at, at Loudmouth Sports for sure. Not a lot going for this Seattle Seahawks team in the post Russell Wilson era. Got to figure out if Drew Locke could potentially be the answer. If Geno Smith could give you a couple of years, I don't think either of them are the answer. They will be drafting a quarterback at the top of the draft next year. Did they have Kenneth Walker coming in? They still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Who knows how much longer those guys will be there? I definitely don't think they're there the remainders of the career. It's going to be a long season for the Seahawks. I actually have them losing their first seven games and then winning their first game in week eight against the Giants. So it's going to be a tough road, but they're going to have to get through it. There's been some good years in the past. You're going to have to suffer through some bad ones. Yeah. And as we get into a more relevant team here, I will be going more in depth. I have the Niners coming in third in the division. I think they're going to go 10 and seven this year. They're going to split the division and that's, they're going to split everybody in the division and they're going to go eight and four in the conference. Definitely with a weaker NFC, we could see Trey Lance in the playoffs this year. Um, just week by week here, I'll go. They're going to win in Chicago. Okay. I have them winning against the Seahawks at home. They're going to lose in Denver. I think they beat the, the Rams at home. They, they beat the Panthers in Carolina. They win in Atlanta. They lose at home to the Chiefs. They go on the road to the Rams and lose week nine by beat the Chargers at home, lose to the Cardinals on the road, and then they go Saints and Dolphins at home, both wins. Obviously, the Dolphins is a free win. 
Uh, they play the Bucks at home. I'm going to give that to the Bucks. They're going to beat the Seahawks – or, no, they're going to lose to the Seahawks on the road, beat the Commanders at home, lose to the Raiders on the road, and beat the Cardinals at home to round out the year. Okay. I don't have the Mouth 49ers. Fuller. I don't have the 49ers coming in third in this division. I believe it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals. Game by game predictions for me. Win week one against the Chiefs at home. Lose on the road week two against the Raiders. Lose week three on the road against the Rams. Win at Panthers. Sure. Win versus the Eagles. Win at Seahawks. Win at Saints. Loss at Vikings. Win at Seahawks. Loss at Rams. Win versus 49ers, loss versus Chargers, win versus Patriots, win, ver- win at Broncos, loss versus Bucks, win at Falcons, and loss at 49ers. With this, with this Cardinals team, obviously the first six of the season, six games of the season, they will be out with DeAndre Hopkins. Marquise Brown is there though now to fill that void, and I think he'll do a decent job of that. Still have Zach Ertz, still have James Conner, still have Rondell Moore. Defense no longer has Chandler Jones, which I, I think is going to hurt them because they also have a, an aging J.J. Watt who is definitely out of the prime of his career, probably on his on his last couple of seasons for sure. And there's also a lot of controversy around the Kyler Murray contract. What is he going to get? When is he going to get it? We'll see how much longer that looms over his head. But I think there's too many issues overall with this team for them to be a playoff team this year. Even at 10 and 7. I don't think they get it at 10 and 7. Okay, well, uh, I will just – I'm going to give Jet a cop out here. He has not made the rest of his divisions. I, I, can, so. tell you, I can tell you a handful of teams that I, that I would I'd probably have over them right now. Okay, well, obviously Rams and Niners. And then – Cowboys and Eagles, I think both get in. Cowboys are going 11 and 6? Yeah. Wow. Packers Vikings get in. We'll talk. We'll we'll talk about this when we get there. I think after you, you really look over it, you'll change your mind. I have the Cardinals. Uh, let me just quickly go over what I have here. Cardinals have an elite quarterback. He's not top tier, but he's an elite quarterback. Cardinals have an elite wide receiver room now. I think Marquise Brown is a very underrated receiver i think he takes over the wide receiver one role even when deandre hopkins is back i think kyler murray and and uh marquise brown form a very good uh like kind of power duo there i think that this is kyler murray's first time really having like your prototypical speed um target and i think he's gonna love it because you you look at the guys he's had he's had aj green up in age deandre hopkins who even when he was younger wasn't the quack the quickest guy um you know rondo moore and christian kirk a little bit too early to tell for both of them. Even his running backs, James Conner, like he he's never had like that quick guy. I think we could see Marquise Brown emerge a superstar here in Arizona. And I think Zach Ertz is going to, I think he's good for at least one more good year. I don't know. I don't know beyond the 2022 season, but I think the Cardinals uh, come out a little bit better than Jed is saying. I have them winning what about their defense. I, I I know there's there's question marks, but let me just let me just give you the, <laughs> Talk about gonna, all the good. Talk about all the good, of course. <laughs> uh, they're gonna win versus the Chiefs, week one. I think that's gonna be a great game. Um, I think the presence of another year of age for Travis Kelsey 
And then the first time ever without Tyreek Hill in that lineup for Patrick Mahomes is going to be felt week one. They're just not going to be ready to win. Maybe if it was a, a below average team, they'll get that win. But I don't think the Chiefs can handle week one. They're going to lose in Las Vegas. And then I have them going on a seven-game winning streak here. At home versus the Rams. In Carolina. At home versus the Eagles. In Seattle. At home versus the Saints. In Minnesota. At home versus the Seahawks. Then they're going to lose in Los Angeles to the Rams. They're going to beat the Niners at home. And they're going to lose to the Chargers at home. They're going to go into the bye week Week 13 at 9-3. and three. Very – listen, Jet, you can roll your eyes however, however much you want. These are unbelievably familiar stomping grounds for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Both years now, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, the first half into the bye week were, it seemed like, unbeatable. They were incredible heading into the bye week. 9-3 and three, I don't think is a stretch at all. This is the year that I think they pull it off to continue to have a good season because the second half of their season isn't as strong, um, and I think they'll be able to handle these weaker teams. I think they win at home versus the Patriots. They lose in Denver. They beat the Bucks at home. They beat the Falcons in Atlanta, and they lose to the Niners in San Francisco, so they end the year 3-2, and two, and that, that'll put them at a 12-5 and five record going 4-2 and two in the division, 10-2 and two in the conference. Um, I think, that, I think that's doable this year. I know there's question marks with the defense. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray both have yet to put together a full season. Um, I just – I think that this is the year they do it because it's a late bye week and only five games after the bye week and relatively, relatively speaking, they're all winnable games. I think that they can beat the Broncos and the Niners. I don't think that they will, but, you know, it's a possibility. Yeah, so – it, I don't want to go too much on depth on the Cardinals. It, it all comes down to, like, I'm not doubting their their defense at all. It, it it really all comes down to their defense for me. It's just when I'm looking at their defense, there they have JJ Watt, Buda Baker. Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, both young guys. But other than that, not a lot of names that I am too ecstatic about at all. And you got to have side, both sides of the ball be at full strength if you're saying you, you think this team is going to go 12 and 5. No questions at all about this offense, especially with Kyler Murray and, and the wide receiver room, like you mentioned. But for, for, that, for you to think they're going on a seven-game winning streak, in a in part of the stretch where they they'll be without DeAndre Hopkins for some of those games, and beat the Chiefs week one, which I, I get your reasoning behind it. The first game for the I have the Cardinals beating the Chiefs week one too, so I, I totally get what you're saying. I just think I just don't I just don't agree, and I, I it's it all comes down to defense. It all it all circles back to defense for me. They're not, they're not having any Hall of Fame players coming in to the save their defense with, within the season this year, I don't think. And I think the loss of Chandler Jones hurts a lot more than I think you think. I get what you're saying, and it does a lot more than I think. I think. But, Jet, <laughs> uh, it's really a two – it's only a two-win difference from what you said. Had I said 11-6, and six, you wouldn't be making this fuss. That's not it's true. Just, 
you would, it's a oh, one-win well, difference. It's, it's a sixteen-game season. It's not 17. the NLB season. Seventeen-game season. It's not. I mean, if you're going to run as many podcasts as you run, you better know how many games are in an NFL season. Uh, everyone keeps but, talking yeah. about how many podcasts I'm in. Like it's all right. We get it. I, but Jet, so had I said eleven and six, you would have been fine with it. That's not true. But it's because more, it's more about the seven-game winning streak and your disacknowledgement of the defense. And we'll talk about the defense later, Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Tell me. Tell me why the Niners who oh, are, are going. I, I, I think the Niners might be my second favorite team right now. <sighs> so the the 49ers, I just want to pull up some uh, some things I could you know reference to while I'm uh, reciting their their game by game record. So for the 49ers, I do have you know 12 and five finishing in second in the NFC. Week one, win at the Bears. Week two, win versus the Seahawks. Week three, loss at the Broncos. Week four, win versus the Rams. Week five, win at the Panthers. Week six, win at the Falcons. Week seven, uh, win versus the Chiefs. Week seven, loss at the Rams. Week eight is their bye. Week nine and ten, loss at the Chargers and Cardinals. Week 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, all wins against the Saints, Dolphins, Bucks, Seahawks, and Commanders. End the season with a loss at the Raiders and a win against the Cardinals, making it a 12-5 season. This 12-5 record is only going to be made possible if Trey Lance is able to perform at the level that he was drafted to perform at. If he doesn't, I don't even know if this team – this team will finish at 500. It just won't be as many games over 500 if Trey Lance doesn't perform. So this is under the impression that he does – Defense is still very much intact. When you got Nick Bosa, Fred Warner leading your defense, I mean, that is definitely no Arizona Cardinals defense for sure. And then on the offensive listen, side. No, no, let's, let's continue. Let, no, let no, me, no, let listen. Let let's, not, let's not name two players and then say that proceed to just shit on another no, I, I didn't I didn't name the whole defense. I didn't want to, like, embarrass the Cardinals here. I mean, I could go Javon Kinlaw, D4, Kinlaw. <laughs> Like I could continue on if you really want me to, but oh my god! And then so and then the offense, the offensive line, still a a, a decent offensive line. Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchley on the on the tackle spots. I think some question marks in the guards and centers, but I think overall they'll be fine. And I also think they'll be fine with uh, with the uh, loss of Mike McDaniel. I don't think that's going to affect them that much, considering Kyle Shanahan is the the brains behind that whole operation. Debo Samuel still be there. Brendan Ike will still be there. George Kittle will still be there. It's making like a 12 and 5 finish for the San Francisco 49ers team. Audio's off. Yeah, get baited, buddy. I just silently talked in my room. To the audience. Uh, to the audience. Yeah, they can vouch if they were all 45 of them were awake. Unfortunately, zero of them are at this time. You know. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the Cardinals playing do the talking, so I'm not going to get too much more into it. That's fine. I think you just don't – yeah, just whatever. It's just... Winning the National Football Conference Western Division, I have the Los Angeles Rams going 13-4. and four. Now, Jet, it's – you could argue really that they got better – I mean, obviously, everybody on this team's a year older, but it, it's it's pretty much the same team, minus Robert Woods, plus Allen Robinson, and 
uh, you could even argue very easily that that's a positive trade for the Rams. I don't, I don't see this team. I don't see a team better than the Rams on paper this year. I think it's very possible that they went back to back. Obviously, everybody knows how tough that is to do. But let me let me just break break it down how I have it. No Super Bowl hangover. They will be tested immediately playing the Buffalo Bills at home. I think they win that game. I think they beat the Falcons at home. They then go two and two. They drop two straight when they go to Arizona and then straight to San Francisco. Two tough division games. I am losing both of those. Beating the Cowboys at home handily by 55 points. Beating the Panthers. They have a very early bye, which, I mean, there's there's arguments to, you know, what's the best bye week. I think a week seven bye is is a little bit on the, the shafty side of things. I think it's better than, like, a week 13 bye. But, you know, towards the stretch run of the season, they will definitely be tired. But coming off the bye, I think they beat the Niners, Bucks, Cardinals, and Saints. I think they lose to the Chiefs on the road. They then win four, four more again beating the Hawks and Raiders at home, the Packers on the road, the Broncos at home. They then lose to the Chargers in Los Angeles, and they beat the Seahawks at home in Week 18. Yeah. So, so, so dropping four games all on the road to Cardinals, Niners, Chiefs, and Chargers. Everything is pretty much similar. The only loss I have different is I have the Rams fighting off that Super Bowl hangover and losing to the Buffalo Bills on opening night, which, you know, it could come to a surprise for a lot of people, but Super, hang- Super Bowl hangover is real, and when you're having to play, this is not the Bucs playing the Cowboys. This is the Rams playing the Bills. These are two elite teams who could be on a collision course to the Super Bowl this year. So the only difference with yours and mine is I have them losing to the Bills week one and beating the, the Cardinals uh, week three. So... 13 and four for me. You mentioned a lot of the stuff that's going on with this Rams team. Pretty much the same team intact. No Von Miller, bringing Allen Robinson, no more Robert Woods. Caught on Cam Akers will, will be back another a couple more months removed from that Achilles tear a year ago. Cooper Cup is still gonna be playing at a high level. I mean, th- this team has a lot of things going for them once again. And like Tommy said, I, I don't see them – I don't see any other NFC team topping them in this conference. It, it'll be it'll be real tough. Yeah. I mean, I still – and we'll get into this again, but, you know, the, the Bucks we both had as potential top dogs in the NFC who they all got older, who which was an old team to begin with. They didn't really bring in anybody new. They had guys retire. So – and if, if they're, you know, definitely going to be – they're not going to be the four seed, I don't think. So, it, it's 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 a very weak uh, NFC this year. And I think that it will be evident as the Rams kind of blow through it. Which is why, like, we we got to stay tuned for the NFC North. While there could be a very particular team that wears the color blue that I think could sneak into the playoffs this year. Hmm. You know, that could be Bears or Lions. So the primary color. <laughs> Whatever, Jet. It's it's time for a much more important segment of the show. Well, we're we're heading about the uh hour and uh, seventeen minute mark, so and that segment is none other than your word of the day. <sighs> 
Noisome. Noisome. N-O-I-S-O-M-E. It's an adjective. Hold on one second. Let me get a sniffle in. The word noisome describes what is very unpleasant or disgusting and is used especially of disgusting smells. Markeith Morris's attitude is very noisome. P.J. Tucker, I mean, willing to just leave the heat after one brutal, well, I mean, really four brutal losses to the better team in the Boston Celtics. I mean, you lose to a better team, you can't be too butthurt about it. We see P.J. Tucker already trying to flee to a better team in the Eastern Conference than my Philadelphia 76ers. His attitude towards the Heat is noisome. Jimmy Butler's attitude, you know, regular season is beyond noisome. He smells like shit. Regular season Jimmy Butler smells like absolute shit. And guess what? He would probably admit the same thing if he could smell. His sinuses and congestion are keeping him out of game. And, and and it's unreal to even say something like that about an athlete in the year 2022, especially considering, you know, Jet, what we just talked about, how athletes are in prime physical condition nowadays. Jimmy Butler, I- I'm sure he, he is healthy enough to fight off the common cold. Let me talk about noisome. It's very noisome the way that you think that you can just defend the heat. You talked about sinuses and congestion. I I could be the first to tell you it's a real thing. And and I I don't blame blame it one bit as as I sit here with my nose stuffed up more than ever. And my voice sounds absolutely despicable, but it, it is what it is. Continue on. Hold on. Let me let me. Something that's nope. You said this over Snapchat, so but Jed actually did call in sick to a recording yesterday due to sinus and congestion. He said he said in a group chat with you know one of our loyal listeners, Brandon Lynch, or you know he used to be one, uh, and he can vouch if he ever does get around to this point in the episode or around to this episode at all. Jet did did say this. He he had a rough sinus rough sinus day. I don't know if it was due to the extended Jewish nose of his, or you know if it had anything else, any other outside factors. But like I said, let me first say that I am Jewish and I am allowed to make these types of jokes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You have any smelly, stinky responses, Jet? No, I mean it's all about the bucket birds. That's why I was kind of referencing them before when I was uh, pulling their pulling my shirt up. Uh, oh. Bucket birds, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. Oh, is that who that is? Great, great tandem in this league, and they're going to be in this league for for quite some time, making an impact on the Heat alongside uh, Bradley Beal as well. So, great, show that great, again. Great. Let me see. Let me see the. You could have told me that was Chet Holmgren and Kevin Hart. <laughs> I didn't know Kevin Hart had that high hair, but I I, I see the Chet uh, the Chet home good thing, man. You can you can argue uh, your local. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Chet, what? What was that going to be? Is that the situation where you need to cut the show? And no, 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 no. All right. Well, and I mean the only issue I saw with what I said was uh, you'd probably have Chet Holmgren about like six inches higher on the shirt than yeah. Kevin Hart. Chad Holmgren would be touching the left nipple. Kevin Hart would be touching your right belly button. Because, by the way, Jet does have two of those. Well, you know, they're uh, pretty noisome. Well, they're they're stinky. Yeah, I, well, I, I can smell them through up. the mic. You have to bring that up. But it's all right. Uh, you want to see it or no? no we're good right now. Right. Just 
just jet stance us to round it out. Right, not a problem. For the rest of the show. See you guys. Thanks everybody so much for listening to the 258 Sports Cast, episode 39. Jet keeps his shirt down for us here throughout the rest of the show. Uh, you know, special thanks to everyone in the studio today. Obviously, me, Jet, Ken, Francois, Penelope, Taylor, Bella, and the likes. So, you know, thanks everybody so much for listening and uh good night.